0: Welcome back Blue Shirts fans to episode number 277 of the Locked On New York Rangers podcast. I'm your host John Chick. Got a lot to do today. We're kind of just going to jump kind of rapid fire from one topic into the next. I would imagine this first segment is going to take up uh, more time than probably anything else on the show here today. But what I wanted to do to start the episode was just take a look at the players who are underachieving through five games with the Rangers and the players who are overachieving through five games with the Rangers. And I'm sure you guys, having watched all these games, you can probably come up with a couple of the names that are going to be on each of these lists. But be that as it may, we'll still go through it together. We'll take a look in some detail at some players that are struggling, some players who are exceeding expectations. And for the guys that are struggling, we'll try to figure out what it'll take for them to turn it around. And. Something else we're going to do today is talk about Philip Heel's injury and what it means for the team and talk about whether or not he can pick up right where he left off when he came back. Because we have seen this from Philip Heel in the past where he goes through these really hot streaks and then kind of disappears for a while. So we're going to talk about if he can kind of maintain that momentum whenever he gets back from injury. And he has been ruled out for tonight's game against the Buffalo Sabres. The puck drops at 7 o'clock for that one. But hopefully whenever Heedle gets back, uh, like I said, he can pick up right where he left off. We're also going to go through what I think are the ideal defense pairings for this team going forward. They've really shuffled the deck on the blue line so far this season. Hopefully they can get settled sooner rather than later. A couple guys have been in and out of the lineup, but we're going to take a look at what I think are the best pairings going forward for the rest, not necessarily the rest of the season, but at least in the short term. It's hard to know what's going to happen, you know, 50 games from now. But like I said, the ideal defense pairings, For now, in the short term, the next few games going forward, just based on what we've seen through these first five games so far. We also have an email from a listener, Eddie, Eddie talks about what he'd like to do with the Ranger line combinations, and he actually sent this email to me a little bit before the season started. He's got some interesting ideas. I told Eddie I would eventually work my way back to it, and now that the Rangers are coming off of an off day, I think this is a good time to go ahead and just dive right into that. Again, Eddie sent me this email before the season started, but I think it still kind of uh, applies to the Rangers' current situation. He's got some interesting ideas thought outside the box a little bit, so definitely going to read that email for you guys and uh, just give my thoughts on it as well. So like I said, we'll start with this segment of players that are underachieving for the Rangers, players that are overachieving thus far for the Rangers. As far as underachieving, I mean, you can pretty much point right at the first line I think it's kind of interesting in that it's Zabanejad and Kreider that are struggling, haven't really found the scoring touch, are struggling to create scoring opportunities. And the guy who's really taken off is Pavel Buchnevich. Now, Buchnevich has since moved down from the top line to the second line to play with Ryan Strom and Artemi Panarin. So that's kind of an interesting trio there. And they've also put Alexi Lafreniere up on the first line with Kreider and Zabanejad. But it's interesting to me because the top line for most of last season was... Mika Zabanjad centering Chris Kreider and Pavel Buchnevich And if you look at that trio as a whole and you wanted to pick out a weak link among those three players, it definitely would have been Pavel Buchnevich And again, I like Pavel Buchnevich I think he did a nice job last season, really kind of turned it on down the stretch of the regular season, actually had 21 points in his final 21 games. It's very easy to forget about that because it feels like it happened so long ago. But yeah, Buchnevich was a beast on the stretch last season. And it's funny because now... He's the one that, if you put him back on the first line, you'd kind of be relying on him to get the other guys going, whereas in the previous season, it was kind of the opposite of that. But the top line is struggling. I've noticed that Zibanejad has missed some opportunities that he usually converts. Uh, Even there there was a goal that he scored against the Devils. It's his only goal of the season so far, in fact. He scored from kind of a sharp angle and he beat Mackenzie Blackwood over his right shoulder. It was great. He lit the lamp. You'll take every goal you can get. But the one thing I noticed on that play is he kind of shanked his shot. He didn't really get all of it. We're so used to seeing Mika Zibanejad on a one-timer there. Just bury the thing. Just absolutely, you know, Send a rocket into the net. And instead, again, he kind of shanked it, didn't really get all of it, and the puck kind of fluttered up into the air. It bounced off of Blackwood's shoulder and in. It's great that Mika was still able to convert on that opportunity there. But again, I think it's just kind of indicative of how it's going for Mika right now. He just doesn't quite have his day game, doesn't quite have that scoring touch. And then you go to Kreider. He's off to a slow start as well. He did hit the post twice in a row against the Devils. I believe that was on a power play opportunity. Uh, We know Kreider's a streaky player. This is kind of what we signed up for uh, when we gave him the extension. And again, I'm still happy that Chris Kreider is here. You got to have a couple of veterans in the locker room. And I think Kreider will continue to be a very good player for the Rangers in the years to come here. But he is going through one of his down stretches. I mean, this is what happens with Kreider. Peaks and valleys, peaks and valleys. It's kind of been that way ever since he came into the league. It will probably continue to be that way. And you just have to keep your fingers crossed. That he'll come out of this sooner rather than later because he is a streaky player. I don't think that's going away anytime soon. And like we said, you know, he's just in a slump right now. And maybe once he gets, you know, a goal, an assist, you know, something to get him going a little bit, maybe he takes off and this top line starts producing the way that we're used to, because we have not seen any of that Mika Kreider magic this season like we did so often last season. There was also an instance at the end of this most recent game against the Pittsburgh Penguins. The Rangers at this point are down by a goal. The Penguins got what turned out to be the game winner with a minute 31 to go, and then the Rangers pull their goalie, and Mika Zibanejad has the puck, and he sends a cross-ice pass to Artemi Panarin. This is in the last 10 seconds or so, but Panarin uh, couldn't quite Connect on the one timer, couldn't knock it into the net, and he had some open net to shoot at. But this is one of those plays where I think if everybody's firing on all cylinders, and I include Panarin in this because even though Panarin has two goals and four assists, it doesn't feel I mean, it's great, and we're spoiled with Artemi Panarin, we really are, but it doesn't feel like he's quite taken over games the same way that he did during last season during his what should have been an MVP season, in my opinion. And I think if Everything is going right. Everybody's at the top of their game. Zibanejad and Panarin connect on this pass. Panarin knocks it into the net, and the Rangers tie that game with less than 10 seconds remaining. Would have been a huge goal for this team. As it is, uh, they misfired. Zibanejad probably put a little bit too much sauce on the pass, but at the same time, not completely unhandleable if you're Artemi Panarin. We've seen him do the impossible on the ice and I think he at least is capable of handling that pass and, and turning it into a one-timer goal. So uh, yeah, you know, everybody's just a little bit off right now and, and guys just kind of have to settle in and find their game and start contributing offensively and start producing in the way that we know they're all capable of producing. And then Alexi Lafreniere, he's looked all right. I mean, I don't think that the NHL game is too fast for him. He doesn't look intimidated. He doesn't look nervous out there. He has not been the most visible player over these last couple of games, however. And part of that might be the fact that both of his line mates are struggling. I've been impressed with some of the passes that he's made, and he had a couple of chances to crack the score sheet in this last game against Pittsburgh. There was an instance where the puck was kind of bouncing across the crease, and Lafreniere tried to get there, full extension of his stick, couldn't quite put the puck home. It went wide of the post by, you know, an inch or two, so he just missed out there. And then there was another instance later in that game where he sent a centering pass to Chris Kreider, put it right on the tape, and Kreider looked like he was going to score the goal, but he basically just fell over. You know, I don't know if his momentum going forward, you know, he just kind of lost his balance or whatever it was, but for whatever reason, Kreider not able to convert on that scoring opportunity, and that play kind of just sums it up for how it's gone to the top line so far. They're obviously going to need to get more out of all three of these players. Somebody else who's underachieved to start the season, you got to say Ryan Strom. I know he scored a goal in this most recent game. It was nice to see him finally uh, crack the score sheet after being held off of it thus far this season, but again, just like the Magic hasn't been there with Mika and Kreider. It hasn't been there with Strome and Panarin. I mean, how many beautiful goals did we see Panarin and Strome link up for last season? And it just hasn't been happening this year. There was a play, I think it was the first game against Pittsburgh, but it's just another one of those plays that kind of is indicative of how the season has gone so far for Ryan Strom. And it's not a play that's going to stand out that much, but basically Artemi Panarin had the puck in the neutral zone. He passed to his left to Ryan Strom, and Strom just couldn't handle the pass, and it goes just goes trickling into the Penguins' zone. It wasn't a dump-in or anything like that. Strom just could not handle a routine pass. So uh, Strom, it's been a struggle so far. I think he's kind of been the weak link of the power play unit, the top power play unit. But at this point, you basically just have to keep your fingers crossed that he eventually figures it out and uh, rediscovers that chemistry with Artemi Panarin, especially now that Philip Hedel is injured. Because really, you know, I, I've seen a couple of people, they want to take Ryan Strom off of the second line. I get the frustrations. I'm not so sure that I would do that. But now that Philip Hedel is unavailable, there's really no other option. You have to leave Ryan Strom on that second line. I mean, who do you want to put there? Do you want to put Brett Howden there? Do you want to put Kevin Rooney there? I don't think those are better options. You just have to bide your time and just hope that Ryan Strom gets it together, finds his game, and becomes the player that he was last season. I think you've also got to include Tony D'Angelo on this list, and I realize he's only played three games, although the fact that he sat for two games was basically of his own doing. We can debate whether or not that was the correct decision by David Quinn. I wasn't so keen on the idea of making D'Angelo a healthy scratch, but what's done is done. He was indeed a healthy scratch due to you know taking an undisciplined, unsportsmanlike conduct penalty in the opening night loss of the New York Islanders, but Tony D'Angelo still struggling to find his game. He's a minus five and no points thus far on the season. We know that at times Tony can be a little bit of a defensive liability. And again, plus minus doesn't always tell the whole story. But the fact that he's only played in three games and is already a minus five, uh, that's not a good sign either. We have to call it like we see it. I think he's looked okay on the power play. You know, I think he does a good job moving the puck around and and seeing the game pretty well. But it hasn't shown up on the score sheet. He still has zero points despite seeing a good chunk of time on the man advantage. He has lost his... uh, top power play unit spot to Adam Fox because when D'Angelo was sat down, Fox basically took over and has done a great job, I think, manning that top power play unit. We're going to talk about Adam Fox on the overachievers side in just a second here. But as for Tony D'Angelo, yeah, I mean, he's somebody that the Rangers are going to need to step up and start playing a little better. He did get that big contract extension this offseason, $4.5 million per year over the next two years, and they're going to need, for sure, they're going to need more offense out of him because that's his calling card, right? That's what he brings to the table. He brings offensive fireworks. He racks up the points for defense and one of the better offensive defensemen really in the NHL. And as long as he continues to produce offensively, you can live with him being an average or maybe even a slightly below-average defensive defenseman, but this just isn't good enough. The Rangers are definitely going to need more out of Tony D'Angelo going forward. Today's episode of Locked On New York Rangers is brought to you by rockauto.com. With the ever-increasing numbers of makes and models, it is now impossible to stock all the parts you need in a traditional chain storefront. Winder are often pointless and seemingly intimidating questioning, like, Is your Odyssey an LX or an EX and have to wait while the counterman orders the parts on his computer, choosing the only brand his warehouse just happens to carry? You have computers with access to rockauto.com at home and in your pocket. Why choose to spend 30%, 50%, 100% more for the exact same auto parts at a chain store We sent you amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. RockAuto.com. Get more of the sports news you need in less time with our new Locked On Today podcast. Peter Bukowski hosts Locked On Today, a daily podcast breaking down the biggest stories with analysis from our local experts. Start your day with all the sports news you need in under 20 minutes. Subscribe to Locked On Today wherever. You get your podcasts. Let's go ahead and talk about some of the Ranger overachievers in this young season, five games into the campaign here. You got to start with Pavel Bucinevich. Uh Another way to look at this, and we already talked about him a little bit when we were talking about the struggles of his fellow first liners. I realize Bucinavich has since moved down to the second line, but Bucinavich started on the first line with Kreider and Zabanjad. And while the two of them have struggled, Bucinavich has really thrived so far this season. Another way to look at this, he's the only guy in the Rangers' top six or at least the current top six, that is giving you more than you would have expected so far this season. He's got two goals, two assists. He's picking up right where he left off last season. Again, it's very easy to forget this, but Buchnevich was an absolute monster for this team down the stretch in the regular season last year. 21 points in 21 games before the season was abruptly canceled the rest of the regular season, that is. We all know why that happened. But Butchnevich was playing in all three zones. He's continued to do that here this season. And you just hope that he can keep it up because consistency has always been something of an issue for Pavel Butchnevich. But when you take into account the fact that he was on fire for 21 games at the end of the last season, and you combine that with the fact that he's stormed out of the starting blocks this season, I think it bodes well for his potential of finally becoming a more consistent player. Another guy you got to talk about as an overachiever, Philip Giuseppe. He is not coming out of this lineup anytime soon. I figured when the season started, we might see a little bit of a rotation between Giuseppe and Kevin Rooney as far as the 12th forward on any given night. And Philip Giuseppe was indeed a healthy scratch on opening night, but he's been great. I mean, he's racking up assists. That is something you did not expect to say about Philip Giuseppe. But yes, he's got four assists. He's already got as many points this year as he had in 20 games with the Rangers last year. But beyond that, this guy is just working his tail off, and it's something that I tweeted about the other night. I can definitely remember in the 20 games that D. Giuseppe played with the Rangers last year, he was definitely a hard-working player, but I didn't remember it being at this level. This guy plays every single shift like it's his last. He's a little bit of a Jesper Faust uh, junior, if you will. I think uh, Philip DiGiuseppe has some Jesper Foss in him. I think Kevin Rooney has a little bit of Jesper Foss in him. I wouldn't put either one of them quite on Jesper Foss' level yet, but hopefully those are guys that can kind of fill the void that Jesper Foss has left the Rangers this season. But DiGiuseppe's been great. Maybe he had a little bit of a fire lit under him by being a healthy scratch on opening night, but he goes in there aggressively on the forecheck. He makes things happen. He makes life very, very difficult for the opponents, and I also figured, you know, whenever Philip Di Giuseppe got into the lineup, because again, he was a healthy scratch on opening night, you got to figure he's eventually going to get in there. But I figured he would be on the fourth line, and I my eyebrows kind of went up when they put him into the third line and dropped Julian Gauthier at the time down to the fourth line. I'm thinking like, well, why would you do that? But it's worked. I mean, Philip Di Giuseppe is a physical presence on that third line, and I think he's really been a nice compliment to Philip Hiedel and Capo Caco. Filipino, by the way, I just noticed this, a tweet went out, he is going to be out for four to six weeks for the Rangers. So that is obviously a devastating blow for this team, and fingers crossed, it's on the shorter end of that spectrum. Four to six weeks, that's a big chunk of the season under any circumstances, but that goes double in a season like this, where there's only 56 games, and uh, like we said, we'll just keep our fingers crossed that he gets back. I think another guy that you could put into the overachievers category is Adam Fox. Now, on one hand, I'm not tremendously surprised by the start that Adam Fox has gotten off to this season. I think that he showed a lot last season. Very promising rookie campaign. He overachieved in every facet of the game. So it's not really that shocking to see him come back and continue to build on that. But man, Adam Fox has just been fantastic on both sides of the rink. Show me a defenseman that you would rather have on your team right now than Adam Fox when you consider his youth and just his long-term upside. I know there's a lot of love for guys like Kale McCarr and Quinn Hughes, and that's fine. They're great players in their own right. But man, I'm not so sure I would take anybody over Adam Fox. Again, just an excellent start to the season on both sides of the rink. He's done a great job on the top power play unit. He had to sub in there when Tony D'Angelo was a healthy scratch for two games. And I realized the Ranger man advantage... Doesn't yet have the success rate that you'd like to see. It's at about 17% right now, but Fox has been great running the point, uh, just making great decisions with the puck. Something else that I noticed, Adam Fox has 14 block shots in just five games this season. That is on pace to absolutely just crush his pace last season. He had 92 block shots in 70 games last year. I realize five games is a very small sample size, but just great to see Adam Fox becoming uh, the total package on the Ranger blue line. Keandre Miller. Keandre Miller has to be included on any list as far as Rangers that have exceeded expectations and have overachieved at the beginning of the season. Uh, we talked about Keandre at length in yesterday's episode. You can go back and check that out if you'd like. But yeah, I mean, cool, calm, and collected after a shaky opening night. Uh, Somebody who looks to be here on the Rangers to stay. He might not ever end up playing a single game with the Hartford Wolfpack. His ice time continues to increase night to night. They haven't worked him into either special teams unit yet. I mean, he's made a cameo on the penalty kill, uh, made a cameo on the power play unit. Every once in a while, he'll be out there on the ice at the tail end of either a power play or a penalty kill. Obviously, he hasn't been a regular on either unit as of yet. We'll see if that happens in time. If he continues to play like this, I would fully expect him to see uh, maybe the penalty kill more so than the power play unit because the Rangers have enough offensive defense in that they like to put out there. I mean, you got Truba, you got D'Angelo, you got Adam Fox. So maybe the penalty kill is the area where you'll see K. Andre Miller eventually start to log more minutes on the ice. But I mean, he goes toe to toe with Sidney Crosby the other night. He got his first assist out of the way. He made an excellent sliding block of a pass that might have very well led to a Penguin goal on Sunday. Uh, I'm not going to go on for too long about K. Andre Miller because, like I said, we talked about him at length in the last episode. But. You have to include him on a list like this. And you've also got to throw Philip Hedel in there as well. It's really, really unfortunate that he got hurt because he was off to a tremendous start to the season. My question uh, coming into this episode before I find out how long Hedel was going to be sidelined with the injury is can he keep it going? Because we have seen this from Philip Hedel in the past where he'll be red hot for you know a four, five, six game stretch and then he'll kind of disappear for a while. Part of that is youth. Part of that is an experience. But you just hope that Philip Hedl, whenever he comes back, he can kind of just pick up right where he left off and just spread his wings and become a great player in this league. I would imagine whenever he comes back, they'll toss him back out there onto the third line. I think maybe in due time, he could pass Ryan Strom on the depth chart and maybe move up to the second line and play with guys like Artemi Panarin, Pavel Buchnevich, Capo Kako, whoever might be on the second line at that time. That will come in due time. I think the Rangers in their perfect world, Philippito, whether it happens this year or happens next year, he's got more long-term upside than Ryan Strom. And I'm not saying this to diss Ryan Strom. I do like Strom. I still think him and Panarin are eventually going to click this season. But as far as somebody who has a chance to be a real difference maker, a big-time superstar on this team, if it's going to be Philippito or Ryan Strom in the long term, it's going to be Philippito. And I think, you know, what we've seen this year, you're seeing a guy who's Very fast, very athletic, a highly skilled player, and somebody that looks like he was worthy of being drafted in the first round, which indeed he was by the New York Rangers. So does he eventually move up to the second line later this season, whenever he comes back from his injury? It's possible. I think he probably goes back to the third line at least to start whenever he gets back, however. Wanted to take a minute to let you guys know that today's episode of Lockdown New York Rangers is brought to you by Bet Online. The Super Bowl is right around the corner, and there is only one place that has you covered and one place that we trust betonline.ag. Sign up today for a free account at betonline.ag and use that promo code LOCKEDON for your 50% welcome bonus. Don't sit on the sidelines anymore. Get in on the action. Don't forget to use that promo code LOCKEDON to receive a 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. Visit our good friends and exclusive partner by going on Twitter and going to at @betonline_ag betonline underscore to take advantage of the best bonuses in the business. Sign up for a free account and use promo code LOCKEDON for your signup bonus. Once again, that is promo code LOCKEDON in all caps and you will get your signup bonus. Hashtag betonline. Just wanted to take a minute to let you guys know that today's episode of Locked On New York Rangers is brought to you by Bilt Bar. It is the best tasting protein and energy bar that I have ever had. It's kind of hard to explain. You just have to experience it for yourself. It's got real chocolate, amazing flavors, and unlike a lot of other protein bars, energy bars, you don't need a gallon of water to get rid of that weird, funky aftertaste that sometimes comes with the other bars. It's just good, and it actually kind of tastes quite a bit like a candy bar. Once again, use promo code LOCKED ON and get $10 off your first box at www.builtbar.com. In the intro, I mentioned that I wanted to take a look at the Ranger defense pairings because there's been a little bit of a juggling act as far as who's playing with who and who's on what pairing and who's on which side of the ice and you know what the Rangers are going to do. It seems like it's different every single night, or at least it has been on most nights. And I think I've come up with uh, the defense pairings that I would like to see going forward, at least in the short term. You never know what can change. Guys overachieve, guys underachieve. They move up and down the lineup. There's injuries. Uh, you never know how these things are going to play out. But right now, this is what I would do uh, with the Ranger defense pairings if I'm David Quinn. So for starters, you guys know anyone who's listened to this podcast for any amount of time, you guys know that I'm a big, big fan of the Ryan Lindgren, Adam Fox pairing. I know for a little while this season, they put Linggren and Truba out there. And that actually does sound like a lot of fun. I mean, we talk about wanting more edge and more snarl and all that. Uh, they're going to give you a lot of edge and a lot of snarl if Ryan Lindgren and Jacob Truba are out there at the same time. But I just like the way that Ryan Lindgren and Adam Fox complement each other. Again, Lindgren kind of an old school, throwback, hard-nosed, tough player. Adam Fox, this dynamic two-way player that us Ranger fans are all hoping will eventually morph into the next Brian Leach. And that possibility at least exists. But again, I just like the way the two of them uh, complement each other. And for that matter, why can't Ryan Lindgren be the next Jeff Boom? right? Brian Leach and Jeff Boom were typically on the same pairing, and it was great. It was an awesome combination. The top pairing on a team that won the Stanley Cup. So I'm keeping Adam Fox and Ryan Lindgren together for the foreseeable future. Both of them exceeded expectations last season and did so mostly while being each other's partner. And so I see no reason to break them up this season, at least not right now. Again, things can change and there might be some tinkering with the lineup that needs to happen. But for right now, I'm sticking with that pairing. And then as far as the second defense pairing goes, I'm going to stick with Ke'Andre Miller and Jacob Trua because I think right now The four best defensemen on the Rangers, at least based on how they're playing at this moment... Lingren, Fox, Keandre Miller, Jacob Truba. And in the offseason, I would have thrown Tony D'Angelo in there, and I wouldn't have had Keandre Miller in there at all. We didn't know how good Keandre Miller was going to be to start the season here. But those are the four Ranger defensemen that I think are clearly playing the best right now. Uh, Truba's been solid in the defensive end. It'd be nice to see him contribute a little bit more offensively, but you got to figure that's coming in time. And Keandre Miller's been great. And like I said, I wouldn't be surprised to see him uh, start to work his way onto some of the special teams units, especially the penalty kill. But I got to get top four minutes out of Lingren. Fox, Miller, and Truba. So those four are all going to be together. And then as far as the third pairing goes, I got Tony D'Angelo and Brendan Smith, and I've got Jack Johnson as a healthy scratch. I don't really think that any of Lindgren, Fox, Miller, Truba, or D'Angelo should be sitting out of the lineup as a healthy scratch. I think it really comes down to Brendan Smith versus Jack Johnson. And frankly, I just think Brendan Smith has outplayed Jack Johnson so far this season. We talked quite a bit about that yesterday as well. And I think that It's a situation where Jack Johnson has to take that job away from Brandon Smith and not the other way around. So I would love to see uh, D'Angelo and Smith out there together. You know, Smith, hard nose, tough player. Uh, Tony D'Angelo, he'll stick his nose in there as well. His defense sometimes leaves something to be desired. If there's a Ranger defense pairing where I feel like I kind of have to hold my breath a little bit while they're out there, I would say, yes, it's D'Angelo and Brandon Smith. But you just keep your fingers crossed that, you know, Smith continues to play decently and Tony D'Angelo eventually finds his game here. But I think that has to be the third pairing, at least for right now. Something else I wanted to get to today, I've been meaning to get to this for a long time, but we had to preview the start of the season, and then obviously we hit the ground running once these games start, but we got an email from Eddie, he's a listener of this podcast. And this is what he had to say. He had some interesting ideas regarding the line combinations and defense pairings. He sent this email uh, a little bit before the season started, but I'm going to give you uh, I mean, there's a part where he asks about joining the fantasy league and he's indeed in the fantasy league that we have here. I'm just gonna give you the parts of Eddie's email that pertain to what he would do with the line combos and the defense pairings. I'm 50 years old and have been a Ranger fan since the late 70s and got really fanatical in the early 90s with the Messier signing. I had a partial season tickets for about 10 years starting in the late 90s. Anyway, I have some thoughts about the lineup for the upcoming season and would love to hear your thoughts. My thinking is that the team would benefit from balancing youth with veterans throughout the lineup, as well as balancing scorers and creators and defensive, grinders, and size with skill. I get the if-it-ain't-broke-don't-fix-it approach, he definitely does listen to this podcast. But while last year's combos worked for regular season hockey, not so much in the playoffs. I don't think the Strom-Panarin combo will ever succeed in the playoffs as neither can grind or play the body. And Strom is neither strong enough defensively nor much good on face-offs. Kako would benefit from playing with defensively responsible linemates. Hedl would benefit from skating with a couple of vet wingers. And Lafreniere is as much a creator as he is a scorer, so having some snipers would do him some good. So consider this. And then these are the combinations that Eddie provides for us. He's got in the top line, Zibanejad centering Panarin and Kako On the second line, Hedl centering Kreider and Buchnevich. On the third line, Strom centering Lafreniere and Gautier. And then on the fourth line, Rooney centering Lemieux and Howden. And then he also adds, I would have Lemieux and Gautier battle for that third line wing, and I'd have Baron battle Howden and Rooney for a spot on the fourth line. All can play center or wing. All right, so a lot to unpack here. Let me kind of just take this uh, line combo by line combo, thought by thought here. So that top line, Zibanejad, Panarin, and Kako. I've said on here a bunch of times, it is tempting to put Panarin and Zibanejad on the same line, but I'm a little bit averse to it because when you look at the season that both of them came off of just this past year, they mostly did that while not playing on the same line. And so I don't know how much better either one of them would get from playing together. Uh, You know what I mean? So my thing there is why not split them up? And kind of hide the Rangers' lack of depth because there is a little bit of a lack of depth on this team. Put them on two different lines and then let four different forwards benefit from playing with either Mika Zibanejad or Artemi Panarin, rather than just have one forward benefit from playing with both of them. So I get the idea, and maybe if it's crunch time and you really need a goal, we've seen the Rangers do that a couple of times this season as well, right? When there's like five minutes or so to go in the game, and the game's either tied or the Rangers are down by a goal, whatever it might be, we've seen them put Panarin and Zabanejad out there together. So I like the idea, and it's great. You know, they get to play on the power play together, if nothing else. But I'm still a little bit in favor of keeping those two on opposite lines, just because I think they can elevate the game of those guys around them. I really like Eddie's concept of kind of mixing veterans with young players. The only challenge there, if you're the Rangers, is the Rangers have, like, two veterans at forward. They are a ridiculously young team. And going into the season, one of the ideas that I had for the third line was you go with Capo Caco, Alexi Lafreniere, and Philip Heedle. But the issue there is that... All those guys are tremendously young, and they've since broken up that line. Obviously, Filipito's out of the lineup, and Alexi Lafreniere has kind of moved around a little bit. He looks to be on the top line for the foreseeable future, and Gautier's out of the lineup completely. So that entire third line has been broken up, but I do like this concept of kind of mixing in some veterans with some young players. I wouldn't worry too, too much about what happened in the playoffs last season just because it was such a small sample size, and it was a situation where the Rangers—I mean, every team in the NHL was off for a few months, but I think it— hurt the Rangers a little bit more than some other teams given their lack of experience overall and certainly a lack of experience in the playoffs. So I wouldn't worry too much about this. And Eddie did mention that he doesn't think the Strom-Panarin combo will ever succeed in the playoffs since they're not really the grinding type of players. But Artemi Panarin has definitely had success in the playoffs and other stops that he's been. Uh, You look at his career NHL totals, he's played 30 career NHL postseason games. He's got 10 goals and 18 assists in those games, including Uh, Most recently, if if you skip past this last year with the Rangers, in 2018-2019, he basically just went off for the Columbus Blue Jackets. Ten games, five goals, and six assists. So I'm not too worried about Panarin's ability to produce in the postseason. Uh, Ryan Strome could be a different story because, to Eddie's point, he's not really the grinding type. He's not going to go to the dirty parts of the rink the way some other guys are going to. For what it's worth, Ryan Strom has played 18 career NHL postseason games. Last year was actually his first appearance in the postseason since 2015-2016 with the Islanders. But in those 18 games, three goals and seven assists. So not a tremendously noticeable drop-off from the regular season versus the playoffs for Ryan Strome for his career. But I'd be a little bit hesitant to have Strome and Panarin together for most of the regular season and then break them up in the playoffs. And granted, Eddie's line combinations feature Panarin on the top line and Ryan Strom on the third line. So it's a little bit different. But the way things stand right now, I got to keep Ryan Strom with Artemi Panarin. And now granted, Eddie sent this email before the season started. So it was before he knew that Philip Hedl was going to get hurt. But given the Basically, complete lack of other options at center. I think Mika Zibanejad and Ryan Strome have to be centering the top two lines. I really don't think there's another option right now. And like I said earlier, you just got to keep your fingers crossed that Strome figures it out, him and Panarin begin to click the way that they did last season. I've got a couple of emails from Eddie over the past, you know, however many months it's been here since he's been listening to the podcast, and I... I will say, he's not exactly president of the Ryan Strom fan club. Uh, not that he ruthlessly bashes him or anything like that. He just has players that he likes more than Ryan Strom. And I get it. I mean, there are a couple of holes in Ryan Strom's game. But for right now, and again, Eddie sent this email before Filippito was injured. But for right now, I got to leave uh, Ryan Strom with Artemi Panarin. Unless you want to do what Eddie suggested and just completely stack the top line and put Panarin up there with Mika Zibanejad and maybe Capo Caco on the right one. But yeah, if the injury hadn't happened to Filippito and he was still available and he continue to play as well as he's been playing, and Ryan Strom kind of struggles to put it all together, I wouldn't fight too much about flip-flopping the two of Philip Heedle and Ryan Strom. The one issue there is that, you know, Ryan Strom's struggling. He's probably going to struggle even more if you separated him from Artemi Panarin. But at the same time, if Philip Heedle earns that spot as the second line center, and he earns that spot, and it is what it is, and Ryan Strom is just going to have to figure out with somebody else, And if you were to make that flip-flop, Strom and Hedl just basically switching spots here, then to Eddie's point, uh, the second line would have a youngster in Heedle and a vet in Panarin, and then take your pick between another veteran like Chris Kreider or another young guy like Kako or Lafreniere. Uh, Doing this would also put a veteran Strom on the third line with young guys like Gautier or Kako or whoever might be there. There's a lot of moving parts right now, so it's hard to figure out exactly what the Rangers are going to do on a nightly basis. I also really like the idea that Eddie suggested here of having Lemieux and Gautier battle for the third line wing And again, Gautier's out of the lineup, so that's obviously changed since this email was sent. But I wouldn't completely rule out Brendan Lemieux ever playing on the third line. I think he could complement some of the skilled players very nicely, uh, especially if he begins to develop the offensive aspects of his game a little bit. But if he can go in there and bang around in the boards and win some puck battles and set up some young players like Kako or like... Lafreniere, whoever might be playing on the third line on any given night along with Brandon Lemieux, I do like that idea. I wouldn't necessarily say that Brandon Lemieux can be nothing more than a fourth-line player for his entire career. So I like the idea of uh, at least giving Brandon Lemieux some consideration of playing in a top-nine role. And really, if you look at the Rangers so far this season, I think Brandon Lemieux is one of the guys that's kind of got the short end of the stick a little bit because I think he's played pretty well when he's been out there, but Quinn has really limited his ice time. Uh, over the first four games, and then he made him a healthy scratch this, this most recent game. I'm not so sure what Brian Lemieux did to deserve that. I know they wanted to get a look at Colin Blackwell, and he obviously got his first goal of the season. And Philip DiGiuseppe's been great. You can't take him out of the lineup. But yeah, I mean, I would not be against potentially giving brian lemieux a bigger role on this team at a certain point we'll have to wait and see what happens there but yeah once again a big thanks to eddie for sending this email he really thought outside the box here i think a lot of us who cover the rangers we had pretty similar line combinations pretty similar defense pairings leading into the season and definitely some unique concepts here i I like the idea of you know mixing some veterans with some young guys and eddie did that a couple times in his line combinations here he didn't play it safe. He thought outside the box and definitely uh, came up with some intriguing trios here for the Rangers. So we'll see if uh, their real-life flying combos at some point look something like this. We'll just have to wait and see how it goes. But that's going to do it for today, guys. I would make Mailbag a bigger part of the podcast if you guys want. You know, like I said, I always give the email address. And I always give the Twitter handle. If you guys ever want to reach out, you ever have a question, you ever have something you want me to talk about on an episode, definitely don't hesitate to do that. Send an email to LockedOnNYRangers at gmail.com. Once again, that is LockedOnNYRangers at gmail.com. Definitely give us a follow on Twitter as well, at LO underscore NY underscore Rangers. Once again, that's at LO underscore NY underscore Rangers. Thanks again, guys. I'll see you next time.